Thanks for tuning in to Chartable Radio. My guest this week is Sky Pillsbury. She is a writer at Inside Podcasting, which is a daily uh, Monday through Friday email newsletter uh, from inside.com. Sky, thanks for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. So tell me about Inside Podcasting. Just give the, the listeners a quick overview of what it is. Sure. So Inside Podcasting, um, as you mentioned, is daily, uh, which makes my life crazy. Uh, but I, I really enjoy it. It's, um, it. it's the newsletter that I would like to read, quite frankly. It has a mix of um, industry news, um, podcast recommendations or news about podcasts. Um, I try also to keep my finger on the pulse of what's going on on Twitter and, you know, Reddit and different sources. Um, that's sometimes where some of the most interesting things in the industry are happening. Um, so it, it's a mix. I, I say that it's for people who are avid podcast listeners or are in the industry themselves. I think if you're not an avid podcast listener, uh, you probably don't want a newsletter about podcasts in your inbox five days a week. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> well, there's nobody listening to this show who's not an avid podcast listener. Okay. Well, great. Well, well, then they should all go sign up. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so go, go to inside.com and sign up. Uh, so uh, yeah, I'd love to hear more about your personal background and, and how you ended up kind of where you are uh, writing this newsletter. Sure. So my background, I think, is sort of similar to yours, Dave, um, yeah. which is that I I started my career in the tech industry and um, at a really exciting time. And I'm going to date myself with this, but um, <laughs> I started working at an agency, a PR firm, a technology PR firm, and it was kind of a right place, right time kind of thing. It was... Um, 93. And the web was just really becoming something that, you know, on the fringes, people were getting a chance to see. And so um, we in our office saw, I mean, obviously, we knew that it existed prior to that. But I remember the first time seeing it. I remember being in my colleague's office and seeing the World Wide Web for the first time and thinking, <laughs> holy shit, like, what is that? And um and the agency I worked for made it uh, part of their mandate to try and get a lot of journalists online for the first time. So a lot of my early career, uh, even though I worked at a PR firm, was more about um, opening up what we thought was this incredible new world to a bunch of journalists who'd never heard of it. And I literally, we used to joke that we were IT support for journalists. <laughs> spend so much time trying to, you know, sending them the, the gear that they needed. Literally, we had a client called Internet, Internet in a Box, I think it was called. We would send that to them. And then once they were online, we could show them all of the other clients that we were, you know, fortunate enough to be winning. That's um, amazing. So, so you're working in such an early stage that you had to send them. Like, oh, Yeah. I mean, we would call journalists and they'd be like, what are you talking about? Like, click, you know, I mean, that was really our only strategy was trying to help them get online and, and, and become ev evangelists with us for what was happening. And at such a young age, um, to have that experience of being really present when it felt like a new industry was being birthed was, um, 
overwhelmingly exciting for me at the time. And I got to work with like a lot of really cool companies. Like I was working on Yahoo, like before, during, and after their IPO. That's probably my most well-known client. Um, But I also did PR for a company called Rocket Mail, which then became Yahoo Mail. And I did PR for, um, you know, Virtual Vineyards, which was gobbled up by Wine.com. And this ended up becoming a pattern where I would I would work on a client who would then get gobbled up by some bigger company. And, you know, slowly after the years sort of, I mean, they really flew by, but eventually it started to feel less exciting. Um, Mm -hmm. I I probably had like a good 10 years when I felt really vested um, and really, really passionate. Um, And then I think the, the, the culture, you know, I was born and raised in the Bay area and the culture started to change a lot of, creatives um, uh, were being driven out of their neighborhoods just because there was such sort of this gold rush mentality out here. For sure. Um, I was still very lucky to be, I mean, I was making a pretty good living as a technology publicist, but with the increase in my salary or my my hourly, I did a lot of freelance work and that kind of thing. Uh, sort of at the same time that that was going up, my my passion was starting to to wane. But I will readily admit that I did not really dive into podcasts until Serial. I'm I'm one of those people who yeah. did not fully arrive <laughs> until Serial. Um, I'll admit the same, honestly. I, I, you know, I was also in the Bay Area, the, you know, the, around the time you were speaking of in the early 2000s when, you know, podcasting was getting going and uh, I heard about Odeo, you know, from the mm-hmm. yeah. Twitter and I was like, what, you know, you got to be kidding me. I'm going to like listen to someone. I'm going to go download some, somebody's show onto my iPod and like uh, go listen to them when I'm like walking around. I was like, that, honestly, I was like, I don't, I don't really buy it. Right. 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 <laughs> so it, it took a while. I was I think I'm a serial uh it wasn't until serial that I got super into it also. Okay. Well I'm I'm glad I'm in good company of serial company. Else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the serial wave. We're part of the serial wave. Yeah. Um so I started listening to that. My at this point I had I was raising a family and we were doing a lot of long drives like to the mountains and things like that. And I It really just swept me up. And from Serial, I went to somehow got to start up, um, you know, Alex Bloomberg's uh, podcast. And I remember thinking at the time, I remember wishing that I lived in Brooklyn. I I said to my husband, because, you know, here I was, I was still doing tech PR for mostly for startups, but I was kind of bored and wanting to find something that would give me that same feeling of sort of euphoria almost that I had when I saw the web for the first time. And also feeling like, is that going to happen? You know, like, am I going to have a second career in something that I can be as passionate about? And, you know, in the beginning, I wasn't really thinking about that, but I had I had earbuds in my ears all the time to the point where my husband at one point had to have a sit down with me. Like, look, like you got to set boundaries. <laughs> I was wishing I could just walk over to Gimlet's offices in Brooklyn and say, hey, like, I'll do anything, hire me. Uh, But I couldn't do that given that I was in the Bay Area. And it seemed like all the avenues for breaking into the industry were closed to me. You know, most of the stories that I was hearing about producers or people who were getting involved in the industry in some form or fashion, they were all 22. They were like who I was when I saw the web for the first time, right? right? 22, like no kids, all the time in the world to dive in. 
And even though, you know, my kids, you know, were getting older and I, I did have more free time, I still felt like, how can I compete with that? Yeah. Um, and, and I didn't see in the Bay Area any super obvious way to do it. And then this is sort of just a symptom of something that happened because I was passionate, but this was in no way um, a, a, a career marker. But I did around this time uh, pitching this story to Heavyweight, um, which is a Gimlet podcast, um, you know, hosted by Jonathan Goldstein. I don't know if all of your listeners have heard that one, but um, it was a podcast I I listened to religiously, which is basically about going back into someone's past where they didn't get closure on something or, or where, as their website says, like everything changed. And <laughs> trying to, you know, go and 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 confront that and and deal with whatever what you know whatever issue it was that you didn't get closure on. And so I had been um, listening to that podcast, and in the finale of the third season, Jonathan Goldstein said, and I'm like sitting in my driveway, I'm having a driveway moment listening to the end of this podcast. And he says, <laughs> if you have a moment in your life where you didn't get closure, like, please tell us about it. And, and coincidentally, about three days before, and I say this in the podcast, but it's really true. I was sitting on the edge of my son's bed, as we often do before he goes to sleep, sort of shooting the breeze. And I was talking to him about this story of something that happened to me when I was in sixth grade which I had told him and his sister before and, but they like to hear the story again and again about how these girls who I thought were my friends uh, wrote the words, fuck you on my garage door and then never spoke to me again. Wow. And I had sort of been telling them the story with the message that, Hey, you know, this can happen to you and life can go sideways. And then, and it's not the end of the world. Like life goes on and life gets better. And what my son and my daughter heard was, this is an unfinished story that needs to be dealt with. <laughs> and so, my son that night was like, you got to go track down those girls. I mean, he, he didn't know anything about the podcast, but he just thought, why aren't you pursuing that? It's clearly still on your mind. So in the wake of that, and then hearing Jonathan's little spiel at the end of his episode, I, before I could talk my way out of it, ran upstairs and you know, I pitch for a living, right? Like I'm a publicist. So I just ran upstairs and I wrote a super quick pitch to heavyweight and I got a auto response back from them, which was relief. It said, <laughs> you know, oh, we're, you know, we're super busy. It was basically like, we're super busy. Like you'll probably never hear from us. And I was like, oh, phew. Like I put it out in the world. It's not going to happen. And that's great. And I moved on. And then and then I'm pretty sure that it was like a few hours later that uh, producer Kalila Holt from Heavyweight um, emailed me and said she wanted to hear more about the story. And we ended up having a long conversation about it the next day. And they ended up doing the episode. And, and, and one of the most incredible parts of that experience was um, how much they brought my son into the story. He was a huge part of the story. Yeah. Um, and I'd love, could I just jump in here real quick? Yeah, I, I yeah. really feel like um, this is just kind of an amazing sequence of events here, right? Mm-hmm. Where you uh, are so passionate about podcasts that your husband has to <laughs> intervene with you. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you don't feel you have any entree into the industry, 
right? Um, yeah. Area, which I also think, you know, that that could even be its own uh, discussion because I, I, you know, I having lived in the Bay Area before and and li- you know working in the tech industry, I feel like there's so many opportunities there, and somehow podcasts did not become a thing there. Uh, yeah. But then, kind of randomly, you end up uh, pitching a story to a podcast, a personal story, a very personal story, right? Yeah. And uh, it ends up getting produced, right? Yeah. It was, um, and I'll, I'll say I did listen to the episode. I thought it was great. Um, oh, like I'm so honored. Story. No, I mean, it was, it's an amazing story. And I did think that the way that they brought your son into it was really uh, special. And it really speaks to, I mean, obviously the, the, the craft and, and skill and care that they take with the stories uh, at Heavyweight and at Gimlet. Uh, but also, I think to the power of the medium, right? Where, um, you know, there's this really—it's a ultimately the show is about intimate, you know, turning points. Uh, but uh, they managed to give a picture of your you and your family uh, in a really special way. I thought. Thank you. That means a lot to me, and 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 again, I'm honored that you listened. It's something that I will definitely treasure forever. Um, it was a great experience for me personally, but also to have that with my son and also want to give a shout out to my daughter who put up with a lot of, (laughs) (laughs) I have to record in your brother's bedroom, which is right next to yours again, and it's going to be loud. And so did it move fast fast once the producers got back to you or I mean, pretty fast. So they had me do some more recording just on my iPhone with Clark and I at night. They wanted to get a sense of like our report, our rapport. And so I have hours of tape of Clark and I talking for, uh, just late at night, literally with my iPhone in between us, trying to forget that the iPhone's on there. And then I think the next step was I went to a professional studio and, and, and Jonathan was sort of like piped in from Brooklyn and he interviewed me about the whole story. Yeah. Um, and then, then we tried to track down the girls. So that was its own process, which took, a, you know, actually a surprisingly long time. And then when we finally had one who was willing to speak on, you know, speak recorded for the podcast, which is sort of a big ask, then Jonathan decided to fly out here, which was hilarious. <laughs> and so all of that, even though it had nothing to do with my own career path, was definitely instructive. It helped me understand format and story and what are the stakes. And, you know, there were a couple of conversations throughout this process with Jonathan and Clela. They didn't commit that they were running the episode until we were pretty far down the path. And I think that's yeah. because they had to make sure that they had, you know, they interviewed my mom, for example. And I think that gave the story even more texture. And so I think all those little pieces had to fall into place and had to go well for a podcast like that to say like, yes, we've got all the pieces we need. Let's run. Um, And so it was on my end of it was very interesting to see like, okay, what are the pieces that you need to put in? How are you going to structure it all? And then to hear the final product was just blew my mind. Separate from that, I was continuing to just find myself educating myself, reading about, um, you know, in my spare time, like I would finish my freelance PR tech job and I would put the kids to bed and I would like get online and read about like nerdy podcast stuff. And (laughs) I was subscribed to, you know, multiple newsletters on the subject. And, um, I even, I even took like a boot camp class, (laughs) like a podcast boot camp camp class at UC Berkeley, because I figured I should, 
I need to know about how, you know, I need to have some sense when I'm reading about, you know, the Roadcaster Pro and like what post-production is and whatever. Like I wanted to have some idea, even if I wasn't going to get into the industry, I was just had this passion for educating myself about it. And, and so one of the newsletters that I subscribed to was Inside Podcasting, and it was a non-bylined newsletter. It was a newsletter that Inside.com was just like trying to get off the ground because they knew that there was probably an audience for it. They didn't really have anyone to write it. So I think a variety of non-credited Inside.com people started writing dispatches um, under the, you know, the guise of Inside Podcasting. Sure. And then uh, at the top of the newsletter, and I was reading it, it said, we're looking for a writer. And I wrote back and I said, listen, like I'm, I haven't been like a quote unquote writer in my career, but I write for a living. I mean, that's what I've been doing in PR for years. Right. So, you know, if I can help out, like, let me know, like kind of thinking like, I'll just help out. And then, you know, lo and behold, I was interviewing with the editor in chief and, you know, the operations people and whatnot. And, and I, and, and, and definitely, I think that my experience with heavyweight was strangely um, helpful during that because I think they could see within that, not just like, oh, she knows some people in podcasting, but she's passionate enough about it that she actually made something happen. Yeah. Um, and they liked that. So even though I wasn't a podcast producer per se, I, I was able to to share my passion with them pretty clearly. And that was just one example of that. And so they hired me to write this, which actually when I started, I thought was two days a week. <laughs> because that's what it said on the website. you it was daily until the end? <laughs> <laughs> on the website, it said, looking for a writer two days a week. But what I realized after the fact was that was because it wasn't, it hadn't been gotten off the ground. So that's ah. how often it was going out. So yeah, like the last, they don't even know this. If anyone there listens to this, they'll learn this for the first time that in my final interview, they were like, so great. You know, it's five days a week. And I was like, five fucking days a week. Holy shit. <laughs> Like, <laughs> like I have a whole situation. Like I've got kids that are in grade school and, you know, husband and, you know, other stuff. It's a lot. It is a yes. lot more than I. Doing anything sort of- daily is, is crazy. <laughs> I feel like folks who haven't tried to produce like daily content uh, might not quite understand. I mean, the, the bad story for Chartable is that uh, my co-founder Harish and I had started a daily tech news podcast as an experiment. Uh, before starting the company, uh-huh. uh, just to see what it would be like. And mm-hmm. it's just an incredible amount of work and it completely reorients your life if you have to put something out every day. Right? Yeah, <laughs> it really is. It really is. It, your mindset when you wake up is just has to be very different than your right. mindset if you're going to a nine to five job and you have a deliverable here and there, which right. is sort of like what my life had been like before. I mean, on the other hand, doing PR is sort of, you sort of have to have this like fearless, I mean, publicists get a lot of flack, you know, for like repeating (laughs) just what the company is saying. And I totally get it. Um, But I also do think that, you know, good publicists are all about building relationships with people and knowing how to translate something into words that resonate 
with people and, and being fearless in like calling someone that you've never met or um, telling a story that you are, you have to get up to speed on it so quick. You know, maybe it's a technology you're not really that familiar with. So you, you have to educate yourself. And so all, and, and you know, sometimes writing quickly, like you're at the whim of the news, like Yahoo or whomever I might've been working for, you know, suddenly you have to write something and you've got to get it out there. Those skills did have really informed, I think, you know, the success that I have had writing the newsletter. And and most of all, I just, I'm writing and learning about something that I really care about. And that makes all the difference for me. So even though this is really a, um, a labor of love, I'm not making the same kind of money I was making in high-tech PR. I assure you, no one gets into journalism to uh, make millions. But I, um, you know, I've, I've made the decision to do something that I'm more passionate about. And, and I love feeling like I am part of this industry in some way that I'm Absolutely. I, I mean, it's great, you know, to me, just as an observer of this story, it's great to connect those dots. So, you know, you became passionate about podcasts, listening all the time. You're sitting in your driveway, you hear that heavyweight wants a guest, and somehow the show gets made and that contributes to you kind of changing. I don't know if you'd call it a career change, would you? Yeah, no, yeah. I would. I definitely. I mean, I'm not doing high-tech PR right now and I don't have plans to go back to it. I love what I'm doing. I don't have any idea where it's going to lead and you know how long can I keep up the pace of a daily newsletter? I don't know that either, but I do feel like I've been given a gift with this opportunity. That's great. So so you've been how long have you been writing the newsletter for? It feels like it's been a long time, but I, I feel like it's only been since last fall. Okay. So six or seven months. That's great. And, and what do you feel like has been, what's been the most surprising thing about writing the newsletter? I think that for me, coming in as sort of green and new as I was, the most surprising thing really was was just how much of a very strong, progressive culture um, underlies uh, podcasting. So my position has afforded me insights into why a lot of these people are making podcasts. And I'm infinitely curious about that. You yeah. know, what makes these people tick? And why are they passionate about what they're talking about, but also what their values are and what their... Uh, because so many podcasters aren't making money, you know, a ton of money either. And so right. doing, so many people are doing creating things out of just passion and love. And I don't think as a listener, you, as a pure listener, you often don't get that. You know, you hear the, please rate us on Apple or, you know, subscribe to my, you know, become a patron or whatever. But it's so easy, I think, for people to hear that honestly and have it go in one ear and out the other and not really recognize how much people are putting their blood, sweat, and tears into this with not ton of payback. So I think, I think I'm saying two things. I think, you know, the people who are writing it are passionate. This is a labor of love for many of them. That is something I didn't really recognize. Also, I think there's a real progressive and inclusive um, value structure that I love that I also wasn't aware was there. Um, And, you know, I loved, I loved, loved hearing, um, the speech from last coast, last coast, last year's third coast conference. Um, and damn it, I'm forgetting her name. 
but she did, maybe you can remember, she did an acceptance speech where she yeah. announced like an email address that people could email um, if they uh, wanted, were able to hire people of color and people of color could email to get connected with those people. That was just such like a great moment, I think, in podcasting that yeah. you might not see in a more developed, more, uh, you know, corporate forward industry, which we may get to being at some point, but right. um, those kinds of moments like have really inspired me and um, definitely they're, you know, part of the reason I just love sort of tracking that and, and consuming that as a fan and a listener. Yeah, absolutely. I think that was, was it Phoebe Wayne from the-, the yes. yes, 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 yes. Thank you. That yeah. was her name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And she- um, yeah, as a big par- portion of her um, uh, speech at Third Coast uh, made an explicit call to action uh, yeah. for hiring, you know, uh, women and people of color and, and trans and queer people, uh, which I think is great. And and I agree that uh, in a lot of other industries, uh, having worked in, you know, at least in a couple of version, flavors of tech, uh, that, that is not something uh, that would be uh, not just like raised at a, at a big industry event, but then also like carried on uh, by other folks yes. in the industry. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. I think it's a huge part of podcasting culture and certainly something that, um, you know, we're doing our best to, to learn about and be sensitive to as well. So uh, is it weird being, do you get pitches from people now? Do you feel like you're on the <laughs> other side of the, the, the publicity machine? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Yes. I get pitched all the time, actually. Um, and I love it because (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I'm a good partner for them. Like, I feel like I understand more than a lot of people that they are actually working hard. Um, And I can also kill them with kindness. You know, when you're a publicist and someone says, yes, you know, like, this isn't going to work for me, but here's what might, like, if you could put this together for me, you know, I mean, publicists can be so helpful. If you put them to work. (laughs) And I know that from experience. So I've developed, I think, some good relationships with them. You know, I definitely like to get my news from, you know, I prefer to get my news from the press or from personal relationships with people in the industry, which I've been lucky enough to to create um, through my work on the newsletter. Um, But I will absolutely make use of and develop good friendships with the publicists who are out because they, they want the same thing that those producers and hosts want too, which is to get good stories out there. And when they actually have good stories to tell, I'm certainly open to it. I'm not going to blow them off. That's great. So uh, you've been doing the newsletter for a while and obviously, um, you know, been following the industry closely for much longer than, than you've been uh, doing the newsletter. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you have any feeling for, you know, obviously the big news still, even like uh, at the time of recording, like almost like a month and a half, two months later is the Spotify and Anchor and Gimlet and now Parcast uh, acquisitions. Do you have any sense of like where things might be heading or do you have any thoughts on where things should be heading either way? The one thing that's really on my mind there is what's going on with Gimlet's union, mm-hmm. um, which I wrote about yesterday. I, so I, you know, on the bigger picture, 
uh, I think that we're going to start seeing more and more of this. Um, I, I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, other bigger companies start gobbling up smaller companies. I mean, the podcast yep. thing didn't surprise me at all because we knew that Spotify wanted to spend more money in the space and good for them. You know, I think they're making some, probably some really smart acquisitions. Um, and, and hopefully the Gimlet employees will be happy, um, with the way that that all shakes out. Um, uh, so I'm not surprised. I, you know, I share the same concerns that lots of us do that, um, that the more that podcasts are put behind paywalls, um, the more this industry starts to feel different and leave out a lot of the creatives that were producing incredible work. I, I hope that there's room for everyone. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I read and, and wrote about this article in Bellow Collective today where they spoke with an advertiser, marketer, a creator, and, um, and uh, studio head, actually it was Hernan Lopez from Wondery, about, you know, is there still value in podcast advertising? And I think the consensus there was a resounding yes. And so I think that for all, there will be continue, there will continue to be different models, um, but I think it will start to feel a little more siloed off. And yeah. I think that the question is going to be like, I, as the listener, you know, how many times do I want to pay for something that I have to listen to on a different app? And there are some real questions there. Like I have not signed up for Luminary. I know that a lot of people have. Right. Maybe I will at some point. Um, I'd really hate to miss Fiasco. I really love what Leon Nafak has put together with Slow Burn. So I'd hate to miss that. But it just, it's, it's starting to feel more and more complicated. And I think it just, it's one of those things I, time will tell. Yeah, absolutely. Can, can the industry support it? Maybe with the number, I mean, there's so many people who don't listen to podcasts. And so maybe with the onslaught of people who really start becoming, you know, more avid listeners, maybe there really will be, you know, a wealth of riches for everybody, no matter what side of that equation you're on. But I don't think we can really predict the future at this point. Yeah, I, I totally agree on all counts. I mean, I'm hopeful that there is going to be an open ecosystem uh, that'll endure. So I think it's been um, great for uh, creators of all kinds, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also, you know, I, I also loved Slow Burn and, um, you know, I would be bummed <laughs> to miss out on that for sure. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I want to hear it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I guess, uh, I guess Luminary is spending their money very well uh, because we're both... <laughs> We're both considering it, but yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's so hard to say. It's going to be a really interesting year or a few years here in the in the business. Um, yeah, it's an exciting time. I mean, that's again, like that's one of the reasons I'm 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 so happy to have the position that I have that you know affords me this view, this sort of bird's eye view of what's going on, and and it does remind me in lots of ways of even though it's completely different and it's been around for a long time, but that moment that I saw the web for the first time, like this really feels like every day I sort of get to see the web for the first time in in this new um, format. It it gives me the same feeling that I had in my stomach that day. So. That's wow, that's so funny. I just uh, I was listening to this uh, podcast called The Moments, which is with um, I forget the man's name. He's a show writer of uh, Billions, and he's interviewing uh-huh. uh, Mark Andreessen, uh, okay, who's yeah. now, like, a you know, massive VC, right? And and made right. Netscape uh, was his uh, claim. And has name. his own podcast. And has his own podcast, the Sixteen Z podcast, uh, which is a great mm-hmm. podcast for nerds uh, <laughs> and for everyone, I I'm guess. sure. But for nerds like us, <laughs> it's great. Um, and uh, Mark was saying, you know, talking about what it was like 
to be on the early internet and how you felt like, like for people, you know, at the time, which is the early nineties, like that, you know, you had seen something that of course this is going to be huge. But then if you look around the mainstream media and, 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 and I'm sure nobody even called it the mainstream media then, uh, but just the press, like nobody was really paying attention. It was just like the internet was this weird toy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I feel mm-hmm. like podcasting is sort of the same way. It's always been considered at least uh, from the folks in my circles in the tech circles as some kind of toy. But like once you, once you enter the podcast world and start listening and listening more, which is certainly the trend that most people follow um, that, you know, the more you listen, the more you listen, that uh, it does feel like that there, that there is something really special. And like, if you fast forward that, of course, on demand audio is going to be uh, all around us in all kinds of ways. Uh, and, uh, but, but somehow podcasts are still a toy in a lot of people's minds. You know, it's such a funny thing. There are a lot of parallels. Yeah, 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 it's true. And, and just sort of the unregulated nature of it is, right. you know, sort of this wild, wild west feeling, which is why I think there's such an uproar with, you know, these walls being built and Luminary coming onto the scenes that that, that ta- that's starting to chip away at that feeling of like, we're that sort of this wild west unregulated thing. Um, but it's growing pains and I don't think it's going to slow down. Um, we just have to figure out if we can all live harmoniously together, which is right. what I hope. I hope so too. I mean, ultimately, yeah. um, if there are new ways, the way I try to look at it is that there are new ways for folks to, to make a living, like doing what they love and to make something great and put it in the world. I think that's fantastic. Uh, yeah. And, you know, you could quibble about uh, how the apps, you know, do that. And then maybe some people are going to get a worse deal than others. And I, I think that's going to be unfortunate. I'm sure there's going to be all kinds of messy stuff that needs to get worked out. But ultimately, um, I'm hopeful that people can keep creating great stuff, right? We need, I mean, to use a phrase from your and my past life, we need the killer app <laughs> that's going <laughs> to just be like this monster app in which you can have all your different little siloed worlds can live next to each other, but in this one little app and you know, you can tip what I really want to be able to do is to have an app where I have all my shows that are, I'm getting RSS feeds from Luminary and everybody else. And I can either, I can pay them with Apple pay or whatever and tip them with whatever system that particular company has devised for me to tip them. And it can all live in just one place. I mean, so much of this is just like the logistics of it, right? Like I don't want to listen to another fucking app. I don't want to download another app. I don't want to, you know, I want it to all be in the same happy place. And so I don't know if there's ever a future where that actually comes (laughs) together, but that's my dream and a girl can have dreams. Absolutely. It sounds like a great dream. I need my Spotify in there. I need my, you know, I need it all in there. Yeah, and then all my indies. I love all my indies. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I have similar dreams. Hopefully, one day we'll we'll actually have like a simple way to just listen to all the stuff you actually care about. You're from the tech it. background. You should be building this app, Dave. Get <laughs> so, on it. Yeah, okay, fair. Yeah, I mean, we're building Charble, <laughs> uh, which is its own this, thing. This could uh, be your side project. I'm sure. I'm sure the licensing fees will not be a pain in the ass. Yeah, at I'm sure all. it's going to be super easy. <laughs> 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 all right. Well, uh, in this bid, in this future dream world, um, mm. like what, what are the shows that, you know, that you would want to, that you want to support? Like, what have you been listening to? What can you recommend? Well, I love this one indie podcast and I've written about it and I'm just gonna, I just want to give it another plug because it's so freaking good called Desert Oracle. Have you ever listened to it? I have not. No. It is such a good show. It's very atmospheric. Um, it's not a podcast that's going to like necessarily, you know, 
teach you how to invest better or, you know, what products you should buy or whatever. It's this one guy, his name's Ken Lane, and he lives in the Mojave Desert and he's got this incredible voice and he is, he, it's basically him with this very atmospheric music giving a monologue about some aspect of the Mojave Desert whether it be, you know, the 20-year-olds who are there for their Instagram holiday or, you know, the, the, the people who came to see UFOs or the flora and fauna that have, you know, that he's just caught sight of or whatever it is. I don't know how to explain this in a way that is going to make people excited to listen to it. <laughs> so <laughs> I am completely not qualified or I don't have the chops to explain it in a way that makes it sound exciting. But I assure you that it's like poetry meets total irreverence and comedy and gravity all in one. It almost feels like fiction, but it's not. It's just one of these like gems that you stumble across. And I remember listening to it. I was walking my dog and I was just thinking like, this is so dorky, but right now is one of those moments I wish I could get on my roof and scream about this podcast because it is so good. And it sounds really highly produced, even though it's one guy, you know, at his desk. So anyway, that's just the magic of indie podcasting. Desert Oracle. I, I mean, Desert Oracle. given that kind of recommendation, I feel like uh, I'm going to be downloading that as soon as we're done with this interview. <laughs> yeah. I mean, try it. It's just, I'm sure it's not for everyone, but I love it. That's great. Um, so other stuff that I listen to sort of all the time, I listen to the daily, I listen to today explained a lot too, and up first and a variety of the daily podcasts. Um, I listened to stay tuned. I actually went to go see Preet last night, oh, that's great. Um, which was great. He was um, interviewed by Jeffrey Tubin. It was really, um, it was a great time to go listen to him talk about the Mueller report. Um, but I digress. Um, I, and I, I usually have something going on that's, um, serial in the background. So well, I love in the dark. I loved Bear Brook. I'm enjoying Hello Monday, which is Jesse Hempel's new podcast. I think ah. she's a good interviewer. She's gotten some great guests. I am a diehard long form fan. I think those guys do great long form interviews with people in journalism, which always fascinate me. You know, the dropout was a guilty pleasure. Um, so I'm much excited. Good stuff. Yeah, so much good stuff. I mean, I, I could go on like Song Exploder. I love that show. I mean, there's just everything is alive. You know, it, we're blessed with way too much content, and I I love getting through. My, actually, my listening has had to decrease since I started writing the newsletter because <laughs> I just don't have hours upon hours. But um, but you know, I, I have to be really strategic in what I listen to. But I'm still a diehard podcast fan, and that's never going away. I love that. Uh, and, and you've managed to turn it into uh, your job, which is, uh, which is the dream, right? Yeah. Yeah. It is a dream. It's an exhausting dream sometimes, but it is a dream <laughs> and I'm enjoying it. <laughs> That's great. Well, uh, I would love to uh, point, what's the best way for folks to subscribe to Inside Podcasting? Uh, easiest way is to go to inside.com slash podcasting. And if you go there, you can subscribe right there. Or if you're on the fence, you can click a button that says something like see recent issues. And you can read my recent issues um, and then make a decision. But hopefully, if you're a diehard podcast fan, you'll want to subscribe. 
That's great. And what's the best way for folks to get in touch with you directly? Uh, well, they can follow me on Twitter. I always love that. I'm just at Sky Pillsbury. Um, but they can also email me. I'm at skyinside.com. All right. If they have, you know, news or something specific, a question or whatever, I'm always happy to answer. All right, Sky, thank you so much for coming on Charitable Radio. I really appreciate it. Sure. It was my pleasure. This was fun. Thanks for having me on. <laughs> 